Hey, this is Nathan. And this is Thomas. Today on Not the Pastor, we have special guests Greg and Tina Adams, and we're going to talk with them about starting up and running a youth conference. Brother Greg is actually now pastoring First Baptist Church in Fossil, Oregon, but he spent a good number of years as a youth pastor, and they have some valuable information to share with us, again, just about how to start up and run a youth conference. So you listen in, and this episode, I'm sure, will be a help. Brother Greg, Miss Tina, thank you so much for being with us on the show today. How about we start out and you all just tell us a little bit about ourselves. Our roots go back to the South, mine do anyway. Born, born in Texas, but primarily in Florida is where I spent my younger years in our family. And it's where I came to know the Lord as a, a young teenager and uh, grew up in Florida, went to college in Florida, met my wife in college in Florida. But, She's from New York State uh, and moved down to Florida when she was uh, about nine, ten years of age. So she is a Floridian at heart, uh, but still has Yankee blood. But I'm not sure God will forgive me for marrying a Yankee. But uh, uh, she's she's learned to cook grits and uh, Southern stuff. So we're doing pretty good. But we are we are that's our roots. For the last thirty plus years, we were in Portland. Uh, served there uh, on staff almost 30 years at Greater Portland Baptist Church and uh, then spent a year on the road traveling. And then we ended up here in Fossil, one of our meetings. Uh, we were introduced to this ministry and they needed a pastor. We're praying with them for uh, God to send them a pastor. And people often say, be careful what you pray for. And, uh, you may be the answer to your own prayer. But we are humbled that we get to serve him here. Very, very different ministry than we ever visualized ourselves in, but we love it. Absolutely um, just loving every day. It's a new experience, new type of uh, outreaches, uh, but people are certainly very receptive. Brother Greg, I appreciate the conversation you and I got to have last night just about how that your mindset coming into a town like Fossil is that you want to be a path, want to be the pastor, not to First Baptist Church of Fossil, but to be the pastor of Fossil. And I appreciate that and have got to meet a couple of your members just while we are here in town uh, this weekend. So that's, they have wonderful things to say about you guys and the, the benefit that you've been to this city. Good. I'm, I'm thrilled y'all could come. And <laughs> Nathan, we, you got to come. And uh, you got to come on purpose, though, because uh, <laughs> you don't yes. accidentally show up to Fossil. Yeah, <laughs> yeah looking looking at the map there, you don't accidentally just no. just end up there. You yeah. go there with mission, that's for sure. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And don't speed on the way here because they will get you in the neighboring <laughs> county. They will. Okay. Not, not, not that we would know anything about that. Right. No, no not me not. personally. <laughs> Some of our guests have gotten um, welcome tickets. Yeah, oh, I guess yeah. that's what you'd call it. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's great. Well, th- thanks for thanks for helping us know just a, a little bit more about you two and, and where you're from there and how many speeding tickets that you've uh, gotten. <laughs> yeah. But uh, what, what we really wanted to uh, pick your brain about, uh, Brother Greg, you were youth pastor for a good number of years and you all 
started up and ran with the Northwest Youth Conference there in Portland, Oregon for what, 30 years, 30 plus years, something like that. Now that youth conference has been going on and we really just want to talk about that a little bit. So maybe we could start off with, Hey, how do you start something like that? You know, we, we had a burden before we ever came uh, to Portland to start a youth conference. I did not really understand the full picture of it, what that entailed. Um, it was as a teenager that someone sponsored me. They sent me uh, to a youth conference, a winter retreat. And my youth pastor, Ron Riley, at uh, that time, we had a young preacher that was the guest preacher that year. And first time I'd ever gone to anything like that. And But somebody paid my way to go to that youth conference. And that's where God got hold of my heart. I had been saved, hadn't yet gotten baptized and it was at that youth conference that I realized these are the next steps. Because, of course, I was not plugged into a youth group either. And But I went home, got plugged into that youth ministry, got baptized, and uh, the rest is history. Um, so yes. from that point on, I, I had a heartbeat for anything youth. And so we would do rallies when I was in Georgia for five years serving and we'd have different uh, speakers come in, and my heartbeat was reaching kids. Um, and I knew what God had done in my heart uh, at, during that winter retreat. Well, I come out here. Before I even uh, got here, I told my brother, who was our pastor, I said, you know, I want to start a youth conference. And uh, he said, you know, that's great, but let's get here and unpack first, and then we'll discuss that. So. I didn't start it the first year, but literally it was in the works that first year and uh, over a year, almost a year and a half planning before we did the first one. Um, but I found out the, the family that sponsored me to go to that youth conference that first year was none other than my brother and his wife, who were newer Christians themselves. And they they just uh, anonymously gave the money and said someone paid your way and they invested in me. And so it was unique that of all things, full circle, it comes back home. He invested yes. many years before and now they they host that youth conference and uh, he is responsible for my whole family coming to Christ. And, and I, everyone in my family has come to know the Lord because of him as a teenager, senior in high school, got saved. Awesome. And so youth, awesome. youth ministry is big. Miss Tina, what about from your side of things? You have a little bit different story, I think, than Brother Greg does in coming to know Jesus and then also just how he led you to, to youth ministry. Would you share that with us? Well, um, I was born in New York State, like my husband said. And when I was nine, we moved to Florida and went to a Southern Baptist church that the pastor just said, do you believe in God? And we said, yes. And he said, OK, good. Been baptized. It's never went through salvation. So um, as I got into my teen years, I saw my brother and my sister who were older than me, um, both getting into trouble with kids in that youth group. And I thought, I I don't want this. I see all the strife it's causing in our family. And I said, no. So we had the freedom to choose at the age of 13 what we wanted to do. And I dropped out of church at that point because to me, church was a place you got in trouble. Well, then, you know, the Lord put somebody in my life that sat behind me in orchestra class that invited me to her church. And so I went with her and her church was different. Her youth group was different. 
And after attending there for a while, I ended up getting saved and working on the bus route and just really got on fire for the Lord there. I had a a youth pastor, I won't go into a lot of detail, but um, his wife should have been more involved in their ministry and he should have been in jail. We'll just say that. And I just determined that if God would let me, I would be a youth pastor's wife that another, another youth group wouldn't have to go through what we went through. I'm sorry. Anyways, we got a different youth pastor and he started challenging us to pray for our future spouses. So at 15, I started praying for my husband and um, not knowing how God would use that in his life. Because after we met and got married, we started comparing um, timelines and realizing that when um, when I started praying for him, that's when he got right with the Lord. Um, and as God gave me peace about different things that I was praying about, that's when different things were leaving his life. And that was really cool to see my prayers as a teenage girl being answered in his life before I ever even met him. Um, and so that is so powerful. I think that's something I would say, and I told this to the girls in my Sunday school class all the time, pray for your future husband because he's out there somewhere right now. And you, you know, you want him living the right life to to meet you and be what he needs to be. So anyways, then I went away to Bible college, um, met my husband there. That's another story of how <laughs> I, I was determined to only date a youth pastor. And a lot of guys there are determined that they're going to be a youth pastor for a little while and use that as a stepping stone. And um, I knew for me, it was pretty much a life thing. And it has been, it's been a 30 year life, thing, a 35 year life thing wow. um, until God just recently moved us. Um, but then, you know, so that's kind of how I knew he was the one was because um, <laughs> he, he wanted, you know, youth ministry for life. And I was like, oh, my goodness, really? Um, and so and then from there, just determining to do whatever I could to help him reach people and let the young people also see us as a unified front and how a family should be. And just following him for 35 years, it's been a, a crazy ride. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen some miracles and we've seen some crazy stuff happen, but you know, God is good. And I can't imagine going any other way to, to women that are not behind their husband in ministry. I would just say, girl, get with it because it is a blast, you know, and I know that there are some men that struggle with having their wife on board, but it is a a ride like no other. And it's a blessing like no other. That's great. And, and, And Miss Tina, what was your part in the, Northwest Youth Conference. What did you <laughs> typically take care of? All of it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, um, I had a hunch. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that <laughs> registration, um, kind of the behind the scenes administration stuff, uh, registration. Um, early years, I wrote the skits. I directed the skits. I was in the skits. Um, food. I did in the early years too. I helped uh, just kind of behind the scenes with that. Praise the Lord, we always had somebody that was in charge of the food and I could just come up and, and help them out. I didn't have to do that decorating, um, you know, but the Lord gave us artistic people. And I think that one thing that my husband is really good at is finding people that are good at something and then turning yes. them loose and letting them develop that so, with yes. just checking back in with them. And so that is something that, again, I would do is just come up and be like, you've got the brains for this. Tell me what I can do to help you get it done. And um, yes. just doing stuff like that. But that's, and I think that is the the key to any ministry is finding people that even if they don't know they're good at it, you can see that 
that seed in them and just watering that seed to where they find out that they're good at something they never knew they were good at. Yeah, that's good advice. So I'm hearing volunteers are really going to be the backbone of something like this. Oh, yes. Help them get, help them get your vision. I think. Yeah. So brother Greg, if you're the one that's good at that, getting those people on board, maybe do you, do you two have some tips on, how to do that, how to get the church church family on board with a, a youth conference like this? You know, I think it was um, a matter of earning trust. They saw my vision and my life that they saw my passion and okay. they, they caught that vision. So through preaching, through modeling, I did a lot more wrong than I did right, but they, they saw my heart in it all and God allowed them to look past all the rough edges and God surrounded me by men and women both that were very very uh, intelligent far more educated but yet God hadn't called them to be the pastor the youth pastor but they had a heart to roll their sleeves up and help in their areas of strength and surrounded me by men and women who uh, five days a week, they're behind a, 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 on a desk in an office with big titles, but they had a heart to reach people. And I'll not mention the names of the businesses, corporations, but they're worldwide. And after hours, they were allowed to bring me in and our printing, much of it was done on equipment that is a secular business because wow. we didn't have wow. the equipment. And right. we, we were able to get a lot of the design work done uh, overnight, pulling a lot of all-nighters, but men and women that bought into it. So if you if you look in Scripture, the, the pattern that I, I try to model um, and would recommend anybody modeling is in the book of Judges with Gideon. And uh, Gideon, when God approached him or the angel of the Lord appeared and he called Gideon a great man of God. And Gideon was like, who are you talking to? He knew he was not that. He was threshing wheat. But God had already worked a plan and was about to do some big miracles. And Gideon was afraid, to de- scared to death, afraid of failing. And God told him, if you're afraid to go, I want you to take your servant Fura with you. And that's the only place in Scripture fear is mentioned twice in those, those verses. And he said, if you're afraid to go, Fura was a man very gifted in the area of war. The rest is history. They went to war. They were very successful because God gave Gideon Fura. So a long answer to your question and how do you get the volunteers? I have tried to, to pattern my life this way as Fura is the one that makes the Gideon successful. And so my calling as a second man, as a youth pastor, uh, my calling was to be a help to parents and a help to pastors. I believe that's my calling. Any youth pastor, children's pastor, second man, you've got to find out what what is your purpose. And, And when I understood in my mind what God wanted me doing, so I determined to do whatever I could to help my pastor look good. And so he couldn't pastor all those teenagers. He entrusted them to me, but also realized those parents entrusted their kids to me. So I tried to win their, their trust. 
And they got on board when they saw my vision. And Fura, if you look at him, Gideon was successful because he had a Fura standing in the shadows while Gideon stood in the limelight. And I had a lot of people around me that stood in the shadows while I, in that instance, as far as the youth conference was the Gideon, I know, and you know, it was my pastor who enabled it all to happen. But it was a matter of many decades of staying faithful at it. But any success that we have had was because of my wife, God's touch, obviously, but the men and women that made it all happen. I there's there's so many I I could not give credit to all of them. You know Steve Watts, uh, very well respected man in the business world uh, all across the the Northwest. Very successful in his work, but he uh, he was he was my Fuhrer when I was scared to death. He was the one that would. Uh, give me the encouragement to go on. We've got this, and we've been blessed by that. Good men and women, just with a heart for God. It sounds like a little bit of seeing what people are good at, and that's a that's a, maybe a gift or a, an ability there, but then also letting people do that. That lets then you be able to be the guy that can stand up in front and just know that everything else is taken care of because you've handled those other pieces behind the scenes. And that's, that's helpful. It's a lesson I had to learn. Didn't do it well for a long time trying to figure out if I've given this to somebody, it's because they have the ability and talents to do that. Let them do it. And that's something I still struggle to come in and take over when it's like hands off on that now. So I had to apologize to many of my workers for conferences I've been a part of those kind of things. And just, I'm so sorry. I didn't, didn't mean to. But, I, but what I did is came in and took what I had already given you. And so I appreciate the, the good reminder that if for the Gideon in this situation, we'll let the fear do his job. <laughs> and that's what he's there for. And, and checking in with them, too, to make sure right. along the way that they're not feeling overwhelmed. So good. Um, and encouraging them by saying, you know, you're doing a good job. If you have to correct them, being careful to do it in love. Right. Um, you want them to help again. Yeah, you want them to help again. Yeah, and and just um, saying thank you when it's all over. That is so important to in let in the them, midst of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, even yeah. in the midst of it too. Yeah. Just letting them know that you appreciate what they're doing. And a lot of the people they're taking their vacation time to be there. You know, they yes. get two weeks a year, and they're giving one of them to you. Wow. That's that's humbling yeah. to see that. Yeah, yeah. So well, let and let's talk about that for just a second. How do you keep your workers from getting overwhelmed? Or if they, if you find that they are starting to get overwhelmed, how do you bring them back from that? How, how do you help in those situations? Well, was my uh, way of doing it was I found just going alongside them in the process, um, encouraging them, maybe having insights, giving them my two cents worth, and then rolling my sleeves up and helping them sure. uh, in that process. That way, they caught my vision. Uh, I would spend the time to draw out what I wanted as far as decorations, very large murals that yes. were about 20 foot high by 80 foot wide, right. and then try to get it to look proportionate uh, was quite different. I had the vision to make it happen. I had no ability to know how to do it, but God put an artist and literally the first few years, she hand drew those big old murals on her basement floor in sections of six foot paper that she had and put it all together. 
And when I saw her doing that, it just humbled me to realize this lady is is pouring her life out for these kids. And that that was a blessing to me to see this. So coming alongside them, I saw what they were going through to bring to life what I was visualizing and didn't realize the cost it would be involved. Like sending our men and women off to war, not not realizing some of these men and women will not come back the way they left. Scripture says, mine eye affecteth my heart. So with those people, how did we keep them going? When, when I would remind them, hey, this is what God did. I reminded them there's youth pastors and pastors uh, and many workers that are coming that took vacations to bring these kids and yep. they are coming, and most of them are already spent. They are emotionally, physically, and spiritually, they're, they're just totally spent. So we are that lifeline that God could use to encourage them these next two or three days. And when they saw the importance of what they were doing, it was no longer just, I'm cleaning bathrooms, I'm taking out trash, I'm just making a lunch. They saw that they were investing in our next Gideon our next leaders, and they bought into that. Well, you guys were there long enough. Some of those times you got to see that come. Yeah, I mean, many, we, many of them. Yeah. yeah. The man that's leading it now was not even born when we went there. Right. <laughs> and we watched him literally uh, at, from birth on, and we've watched him grow, and we're thrilled at how God's raised up a new generation of leaders. Sure. Well, I'm a product of some of that investment myself. I remember going as a teenager, six or seven years, I went to youth conference and then got to come, then taking a youth group and got to do that. And now one of the guys that I brought as a teenager in my youth group is now leading that youth group and taking kids and being a part of that. It's awesome. But man, I love how you guys also said, Brother Greg, just coming alongside and helping. Probably can't state enough the times where I gave somebody a stack of papers. Hey, can you fold these into booklets or whatever? And then when I came back five minutes later and they're drudging through it and just sat down with them and helped the energy that came back into the room, because now it wasn't just a silly little menial task. Now it was something important enough that the guy in charge of this is doing that too. I think a key piece um, is brother Thomas and brother Nathan is uh, when they, hear over and over again, not just preach, but reinforce that every one of those workers are more important than that project. And so while you are depending on them and they don't realize they may be the one straw that's keeping this thing afloat, you're about to break as a leader, but you're trying to to be strong, but reminding them that, you know what, you're right. This may not be for you, you're more important than this project. That's when this is over, I want to I want to be able to sit next to you in church or be yes. there as your friend. And they understood that they were more important yes. uh, than that that yes. youth conference. While it was big, I wanted yeah. them, and I, I'm glad I was reminded of that by my youth pastor over and over again. Yeah. People are more important than projects. I think that I sometimes struggle just in the nature of who I am, that I often just get into the mindset of I got to get this done got to and forget that the people that are getting it done are people <laughs> and yeah. and it's probably more important that they're loved. Yeah. So kind of a recap there I'm hearing roll up your sleeves and and work right beside them. That'll help your people to not get overloaded. 
show them some of the the victories or, or the success. Allow allow them to see the win there, and, and that'll inspire them. And and then just remembering all throughout it that hey, in the end, this this person that's helping work out, they're they're more important than this painting getting done or these chairs being perfectly lined up or any of that. That that those people are are just as important as the the kids that'll come to the to the conference. That's good. Those are some helpful pointers there. I sure appreciate that. And we've actually seen um, youth pastors and their wives, their marriages salvaged that have come to youth conference, just like, I don't want to give examples because I don't want they happen to hear the film. But I mean, like they were on their last straw. They were fighting, I mean, fighting openly in front of the teens and just some of our people were able to just come along beside them behind the scenes and love on them and, yes. you know, help them. And they're still married today and pastoring a church now, praise the Lord. But um, sometimes just seeing that the workers that come are on their, their last legs and that they need to be loved as well. And Miss Tina, I, I think one of the ways that I, I've seen you and Brother Greg do this is just the way that you, I'm walking down a hallway and thanking every person you see. I mean, I remember being a part of youth conference and, and I mean, just coming and right showing up the number of times Brother Greg, you came, thanks for being here. And then and I didn't, I showed up, right? Like I just, <laughs> but, but know then that you did that for every single person you met and not even just the people that showed up, but the, the work I, I watched you thank the the people that were handing water bottles out. And those were, I mean, those were your people that you were thanking. And then I watched you come to a youth rally that we have at Harvest and thank people that, I mean, you, you had no idea what they were doing, but they were showing up there and they were there. So they must've been doing something. And I had people come up to me later and say, oh, brother Greg thanked me. And he, he didn't even know what I was doing. Miss Tina, it was the same way with yeah. you. It's, it's hard work to put that on and it takes a lot of work and, Every piece is important, you know, right down, it's right down to, like you said, the person that cleans the bathroom, because if you don't have a clean bathroom, you know, that's a bad testimony. (laughs) That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and maybe let's, let's go there for a minute. What are some of the difficulties and and brother Greg, Miss Tina, either one of you, if you want to give some, an example or two of that, what, what would be some difficulties or some pitfalls maybe that some somebody who's thinking about putting on or starting up a youth conference, what what are some things that they could watch out for and be prepared for? I don't, I don't know. I think just think out every aspect of it, um, what you're going to need is, and then having people in charge of each section. Um, that's yeah. what, And then they kind of recruit their own workers because a lot of times, like if you as the youth pastor go and say, hey, will you help me make a hundred sack lunches? No. But if their friend goes and says, Hey, I'm in charge of food. Will you help me make a hundred sack lunches? Oh yeah, sure. And never underestimate the power of, well, what our ladies called the granny gang. (laughs) And that was our, our older ladies, our widow ladies who could sit at a table and put sandwiches together and make sack lunches. And they loved doing that. They loved the fellowship and they loved being a part of it, knowing that what they did mattered and that that was huge and and just um having your people recruit their own workers i think and and it's so humbling to see people that like my husband said they're they're high up executives and what did they sign up for at youth conference they're going to be in charge of bathrooms they're going to be in charge of vacuuming and you're like that you know you should be doing something no this is what needs done and i'm gonna i'm gonna be the the toilet guy that's what they do you know i've got the plunger i'm ready to go and that's humbling to see that Yeah. yeah it's uh um, the the people God give you 
And I believe that if he's put it in your heart to do something, I believe he's also given you the team. Our job is to encourage and equip those team members to be the best that they can can be. Most people are familiar with Facing the Giants, the movie. And what that coach did, we get to do every week with those kids. And we're their cheerleaders. I believe as a parent of teenagers that there came a time that um, I didn't buy into the old-fashioned way that pastor so-and-so or doctor so-and-so or evangelist so-and-so said, this is the way you got to do it. I I realized that these are my kids, and I'm going to answer to God for them. And I knew what made my kids work. And we became our kids' cheerleaders. And we told them that they were good kids. We told them that uh, we believe God was going to use them, and they believed us. And they went forward in battle, and God is using them. We did that with our workers. And we saw them that they had a purpose. Senior citizens, when they realized that I'm not a has-been, I may have missed God's perfect will. I didn't answer the call to preach, go to the mission field, but I have an opportunity now to reach a new generation. And they're letting what was go, and they're reaching out right now and encouraging this generation. I've seen it over and over again uh, with our kids and with our workers, and it's humbling uh, that God... In spite of our many, many faults, God still will use us if we'll give him the broken pieces. As we are really wrapping this this up, what I this theme that we kind of keep coming back to is the people, the people that you've got around you. You said a statement there that if God's given you a vision, he's, he's given you the team or the people to accomplish that. Uh, that's going to stick with me. But, but as we are getting to the end here of this interview, Brother Greg Mastina, what what would just be one last piece of advice you would maybe leave somebody with who is again considering starting this up or maybe already has a youth conference and they just want to improve it, take it to the next level? You know, <laughs> there are, there are many, but um, I think the priority of realizing you're working with people, and yeah. we we yeah. all have feet of clay, we all have a lot of things that we would like to change. But God gave us the, the team he, he wanted us to work with. Are we going to sit around and complain about it? Or are we going to do what we can? I, I did a, f- a few years of coaching and played a little ball. And I found that the coaches that I played the best under were coaches that made me believe I could win this. And when yes. they have a youth pastor or a pastor that, that tells them that, hey, we can do this and preaching from the word of God or a pastor's wife that's encouraging these ladies, these young ladies to become godly ladies. They'll, they're not getting that, that encouragement from home, many of them today. They're not getting the spiritual support. And that youth pastor, youth pastor's wife, many times, that's their lifeline. And so they're just hanging on by a thread. So remember who you're working with. And uh, that people, again, are more important than whatever we're doing because we could make one statement that could stay with a kid and and hurt them, and we don't even realize it for years to come. So just be sensitive. That's if I wish I'd learned that more, that sensitivity. People see that, and they respond to that. They're not looking for perfection. They're looking for real. 
And that's we, enough facade. Paul told him, he's, he told Timothy, uh, he thanked God for their unfeigned faith. That literally without a mask. It's not always glamorous, but we yes. need to be real. And that's what our kids are looking for. Not that we, we're not trying to be real, but God's called you to be the leader for the area where you're at. And the one that you may look up to, God didn't call them to be there. And they may blow it. God called you to lead the people where you're at. Nobody could do a better job at it than you. That's a good reminder. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, it's been good. Sure appreciate. Is there anything else that you had to add there, Brother Greg Mastina? No, just being confident of this very thing that he, God, which began a good work in you, he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's our confidence when we get down. And then he says a few verses later, according to my earnest expectations and my hope that nothing else should be ashamed, but uh, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Pour your life into it. And when we get to being closer to my age, we can look back and say, you know, I may not have been great, but I left it all out there on the field. And I I wouldn't be guilty of trying. And I think, too, don't be overwhelmed or discouraged if you're like, well, only one kid got saved or only, you know, two people came to the altar. You don't know the power that's in that one life that got saved or in that one decision that was made. That that one could be the one. And that's all, you know, it's what it's all about. If you save one soul from hell, every bit is worth it. And don't be caught up in numbers. Yeah. Thank you two so much. It sure is apparent your just your heart, your love for people, for God's people, and I, I think that's uh, probably part of great reason for of the success of the Northwest Youth Conference. Green, sure, just appreciate you sharing some of those things with us today. Yes, thank, thank you all. You. We appreciate you guys and your vision, and uh, looking forward to seeing how God blesses your ministries. And He is now, but how He'll continue to bless it. Thank you for your investment. so much for joining us today on Not the Pastor. We want to invite you to join us on our Facebook page. You can find us at facebook.com backslash not the pastor. We'd also like to invite you to rate and review this podcast on iTunes. If you found this conversation helpful, we think others will as well. And so your ratings will help put this content, this podcast in front of more listeners. So we sure appreciate you doing that. Leave us those five-star reviews. Tell us what you think about this podcast. And until next week, we are not the pastor.